Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey there, Collider fans. It's Thad Williams from Collider TV Talk. You know how much a TV fan I am, so I'm so excited about the DC Universe. They've got shows like Batman the Animated Series, the original Linda Carter Wonder Woman remastered in HD for the first time, and one of my personal favorites, Lois and Clark. DC Universe is the ultimate DC membership. You can watch original DC programming like the all-new live-action Titans, which premieres this fall. Also, Young Justice, Outsiders, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Stargirl, Harley Quinn, all coming to you in 2019. New episodes are available weekly on this app, so you're really going to want to download this quickly. There's a comic reader that works on your big screen TV. Wait until you see DC Comics every week on your television. This is the place to grab exclusive DC merch like the Justice League animated series action figures and a members-only store where you can get stuff only for the fans. Plus, you can debate and discuss all things DC in a fan-focused discussion forum you can share your own dc knowledge with an interactive encyclopedia also you can win awesome rewards just for being a member dc universe is available on your favorite devices ios and android plus roku apple tv fire tv android tv and even google chromecast this is more than a streaming service this is your universe dc universe is only 7.99 a month or better yet grab an annual membership and save 20 percent. so go ahead join the ultimate dc membership today at dcuniverse.com We finally have our first look at the Joker, and frankly, I couldn't be more excited, and I can't just, let's talk about it. <laughs> the idea of Joker fandom is as scary as Joker itself, but speaking of which, we have a date with some birds of prey, we have a lot of casting rumors, we have a lot to talk about. And Eternals as a director. It's really happening! It's a big week in Collider Heroes, I am so excited, we have so much to talk about, and out of nowhere, this news just sprung up, this whole week was just like, prat, 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 more... So, this is episode 272. We are three issues away from an anniversary-sized issue, yeah. which will be regular runtime, so Roka and the Whiteboard of Justice doesn't come after me. But <laughs> it'll be very exciting. We'll feel it. We are joined by a very special guest, the Inner Geekdom Champion. Woo! First of her name, <laughs> Mark Nopic. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning. It's so early. <laughs> but when Joker's on the agenda, it's never too early. I mean, he's timeless. It's so perfect. Yeah. Uh, what? So I, I want to just like rant. Yeah, about Let's start. What, 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 what are do you, you think? Because I can just go. I mean, the, okay, the stuff I'm seeing looks great. I, I'm telling <laughs> y'all off screen, I'm, I'm officially calling, we've talked about the coming of this movie a lot on this show, uh, and I have been skeptical mostly in terms of like, I wasn't sure sort of why this movie needed to necessarily happen. I'm not sure I needed a Joker origin story. I don't like the idea of him having a definitive origin, uh, but... I'm officially crossing the line to, like, the movie is happening. I hope it's amazing. And some of this stuff looks great. Yeah. Like, these teases are really fun. I like the, the, the gritty 70s, 80s New York feel. I like the, the classic clown makeup. Uh, we have some really talented people involved. What do you think? I think, and my theory for this whole thing is they are intentionally misleading us with all of the things they're giving us. Great. I think the tone looks great. I think all the pieces of the puzzle look great. I think we're going to get a very special film. I, this, I think this could be their Logan. I think this could mm. be that surprise R-rated hit that is not in context, not in tone, not in universe, that is canon adjacent. And I think the blue and white makeup is not a coincidence. That is exactly Cesar Romero's makeup. And is that in Dark Knight, they nodded to Cesar Romero. In this, I think they're, dotting, they're, they're nodding to to Dark Knight nodding to Cesar Romero, and I think his final form we haven't yet like seen. I think this is the Joker before he becomes the Joker. I think in the third act we get our traditional Joker, and I think we lean all the way in. I think this is intentionally misleading, and I love this. Even if this is the Joker, I love this. I think it's beautiful and terrifying and iconic and classic, and it's a wonderful mix of like Cesar Romero and Heath Ledger with a dash of Joker, and even like some Mark Hamill flavor in the suit. It is all of the jo- It's like a greatest hits, and Joaquin Phoenix can act his eyeballs out. So him, I can't wait to hear the voice. I can't wait to see the stride, that little bit of walk behind the scenes. I am so amped for this Joker, and I'm very possessive of Heath Ledger's Joker. That character is so important to me. So to see this, it is... I'm kind of thrilled with the development that you're pitching because that means that this subway footage that we've seen, which is obviously going to be mid-movie somewhere. This isn't Mm going to be climax. I've ridden many a New York subway. People don't flip shit. Uh, over nothing. So if you've gotten a New York subway car to empty that quickly, I think that's something very... 
dastardly is going to be about. So I'm really curious to see what that is, if that's going to be possibly a developmental aspect of his character rather than, you know, big final moment sort of stuff. So that's, that's beautiful. That's... I love the, like, the psychological approach to interpreting the footage where you're like, what would have to happen? <laughs> For that New York subway. That's right. Speaking of the subway, the map is super fun. Yes. Oh, I love that. Uh, the map is full of wonderful Easter eggs. I love seeing comic book writers, not Scott Snyder, sharing it around being like, guys, I'm pretty sure it's not me, but it still feels great <laughs> yeah. to see Snyder on a oh, subway map. Oh, it's him. Map. Uh, I, I mean, think it's a nod to him. It, well, it's probably Zach. There's a lot of movie references. I just feel... Okay, you're right. You're right. Touche. Maybe just, two people had the idea at the same time. And they're, and they're like, like, yes! Snyder. <laughs> I think maybe it's the idea of, like, we can kill many birds with one stone and, and honor a lot of different aspects because I think it would have been too big of a statement specifically about the one other bird. incarnation that we shall not speak of and excluding him from that canon of, you know, DC fellows. So mm-hmm. I think that it kind of, you kind of have to include him or else it looks really bad, right? <laughs> I think that making it all canon, then like giving us a map and giving us a canon Gotham is really exciting. I think that Burnside's on there. That was interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and New York's gonna have an. I mean, not New York, but their New York, their flavor. You said New York subway, and I was like, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, the Gotham adjacent New York. Uh, I love the idea that we'll have an actual territory. I think the city's gonna be a really big part of the story. I think it's gonna be like the Netflix shows where Hell's Kitchen is vital. I think Gotham's yeah. gonna play a big part in this because we don't have an origin for Joker, and I think that's good. I really hope this is one of those stories that is so not like Terrence Malick all the way like i love terrence malick but i want it to be like what is happening i don't understand the narrative please more i i don't want to i don't want it to be definitive you know what i mean so like we're, that's what we're hoping for i'm confused and i love it yes okay. i want this film to just barrage me with facts and like much like the dark knight give us different origins give us different flavors maybe flashbacks and him retelling stuff we've seen him in multiple joker outfits we've seen him in the outfit in the telephone booth we've, mm-hmm. we released a, a, an image yesterday of todd phillips tweeted there's a lot of different joker i want this to be chaos and I want to just not, I don't want to know. I like the idea that you're pitching where Gotham City is kind of its own character in this because I think that that can really help develop. If they're going to specify an origin story, then let's give a real well-rounded aspect of why things happen. And a lot of why we do what we do is because of our environment. So mm-hmm. I think that's really fascinating. I haven't really considered it. If you don't have Batman, you need Gotham. Yeah. You need a reason for him to do this. Okay. Are they going to win me over to, first of all, that this is going to be about the Joker and it like it's not a Batman movie. It is a Joker film. Mm-hmm. And Batman's dad is running for office. What's Yay. that about? I think I think it's an Elseworld all the way. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see nods to Bruce Wayne. We might even see a young Bruce Wayne, or we'll see a Bruce Wayne that isn't Batman. I think that if audiences can accept that, then we'll have a really good Elseworld <laughs> where it's like, people love Gotham, and Batman's certainly not Batman in that. And people love what the Smallville universe has done, all the DC things that are not the movie universes. If they can do that cinematically, and if we can accept that Bruce Wayne might not be the Batman we know then this movie can be great. I'm all optimism. I mean, I'm the guy that's been cheerleading Venom for a year and a half. I'm I'm just hoping. Uh, So if this is as good as these stills look, and if they trust it enough to be like, look, paparazzi are going to take these photos. Either they can leak them, or we can get ahead of it. And that does uh, hurt, like, I think some elements that they're messing with us. Like, we were talking last week. Do Do you think his name is really Arthur Fleck, or do you think they're messing with us? I would hope that, for once, they did, like, the Star Trek Into Darkness con not con thing the right way as in oh we're telling you exactly who this is but it isn't this person Mm. and it actually isn't that person (laughs) so i would like to think that this is what's happening yeah uh so if that i would believe is messed up like uh, some of this the ideas of releasing this makeup first uh as a deliberate tease to mislead us is it like i i don't tend to believe it because we keep getting things through paparazzi Mm -hmm. and they're going ahead and releasing like i like his attitude that he's like well if they're gonna take bad pictures i'm gonna take good ones here yeah. <laughs> looking good like i it, and and i like that that approach and i think it's gonna pay off and it is paying off in getting us all kind of interested in these glimpses which mm-hmm. clearly have some cool artistic vision to them uh but but it does make me inclined to think we're probably seeing like real stuff oh i think this will be in the movie yeah. i just don't think it's his final form i think this is like charmander or charmeleon i think charizard's coming i think we won't see charizard i think we might get charmeleon out of this and then he evolves he Gotta keeps leveling all. up and then no, third would act be one of those where you never know what he turns into yeah. which ones are there's help me with pokemon there's a type where depending on how you evolve them you could get a bunch of different results that's the joke that would be the best and if they do this in like wishwashy flashback i think he was a clown i think something horrible happened to him i think he lost his family i think something happened and he was a clown that's why we're seeing all these different clowns and then i think he becomes a stand-up and i think that he's bad at it i think it goes killing joke i think a lot of this stuff comes from like 
him being a clown, and then it just gets messy. And I, then I think he, I think we get the vat. I hope we get the vat. These are all just pipe dreams. But where's the bat? I, I think Gotham is the is the antagonist instead of Batman. I think yeah. the city. I think it's going to be like how Batman is defending Gotham. I think Gotham is beating down Affleck, Arthur Fleck, <laughs> as it has in real life. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. <laughs> I want Ben Affleck to be Batfleck for another ten movies, but I just don't know what's happening with that. So in the meantime, while they're sorting the hat, this. I just want to have the like workout DVD release where it's just the Batman Batfleck workout routine, and <laughs> that it's like the, the new P90X. <laughs> that's that's what I playing want. in his TV. That's yeah. that's a, it's in canon. Yeah. Uh, so any, anything else you guys got from this? Anything else that that you what what do you guys think of this? Like, what do you guys think of the actual look, the flavor, the tone? I mean, the sample on the little, like, wholesale store cart is really, really good. But sometimes you buy it and you take it home and you're like, this hummus was not as good as it was when I tasted (laughs) it at the store. But I want to say I'm cautiously optimistic. But we have seen where a a high-caliber actor has joined a big franchise and not necessarily fulfilled expectations like Anthony Hopkins in the most recent Transformers movie. So mm. I want to say that I'm a little guarded about it because it is such a, like, I think this is tipping point. If this does not go well, I kind of think the Joker is going to go on a shelf mm-hmm. for a little while. And I don't want that. So I want it to be great. I mean, we'll see later in this rundown that you can't keep the Joker off your screen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, that said, Good point. I, I'm, I am interested in the trend. Like, I'm a continuity junkie, but there's a lot to be said for the idea that they're pioneering here of, like, what if this movie just stands alone and does its own thing and doesn't need to be consistent other than feeling like a, like, in the way that we're used to Elseworlds in comics, mm-hmm. where we can accept, like, things happen differently in this universe and this, it works differently. Uh, I'm very interested to see them pioneering in real time a, like, multi-universe approach to their own universe. Uh, so I'm going to cross my fingers because that could open the door for some really cool stuff. Yeah. So prepare to be inundated with uh, this costume on Halloween. Now that we've seen the suit and the mask, ah. this is all you'll see in your streets. I am very excited for it. I think I'm going to do a like cross and do all the Jokers and Caesar Romero, my mustache. Um, Ooh, but Com- Comic-Con 2019. That's what I'm folks. saying. We're going to see all of this. It's going to be great. And I love the suit. I love the orange. It feels like the comic. But we have lots of other news today. What do you guys think about Birds of Prey getting all of those updates at once? Like, DC is just swinging for the fences this week. Okay, so here's what we learned this week. We have a lot of casting rumors for the other mm-hmm. Birds of Prey. And we have a actual concrete solid fact. We've got a date. Uh, February 7th, 2020. That'll be only a few months, I think, after Joker bows. Uh-huh. It's like Joker and then Wonder Woman and then Birds of Prey, I think. I meant to mm-hmm. make a timeline. I think Joker's fall and then winter and then the early yeah. yeah, early spring, whatever you'd call it. So February. that's going to be yeah, an amazing spring. six months of movie. movie yeah. Going, we hope. Uh, uh, the, the middle will de- for sure be amazing. Uh, plus, February is such a smart time for that because it's counter-programming, but not because you have the female component that will get females in seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's kind and of fascinating the way they chose Actually, that. and it's that, uh, that February, like that Valentine's Day date. That's what I mean. So, yeah, it's a really good point. You can have that, that like, date, like the Deadpool date, and you can lean into when that is and use that as marketing, and I, I, yeah. I can't wait for this one. And I do think it's very significant. Like, it's significant that this is on a Deadpool date, because Deadpool was a movie, especially that first one, like, that, that played well with men and women. Yeah. Uh, that, like, was a lot of fun for a lot of people to watch. Uh, and I think a lot of the same audience who were surprised how much fun they had there would enjoy, like, okay, so apparently I have fully adapted to the fact that these are gonna, that the Birds of Prey is a Harley movie. I think uh, it sounds. <laughs> I think we have no choice at this point, right? <laughs> um, they've assembled a team that has me really excited behind the scenes. Um, so now they're assembling their on-screen team, and we got some, these are rumors only, but casting rumors for the major other characters... Uh, we are looking at Black Canary being cast as either Gugu Mbatha-Raw, uh, Journey Smollett-Bell, or possibly Janelle Monae. Uh, that one was a sort of asterisk. I know, right? Mm. <laughs> Our Swoon. eyes turn into hearts and float off the screen. Yeah. Uh, now, for Huntress, we are looking at Margaret Qualley from The Leftovers, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Kristen Milioti. Uh I would personally be really interested in seeing Sophia Boutella fill that role. Ooh. She's so fascinating on screen. Yeah, and I mean, I really think that The Mummy gave her a... Uh, <laughs> it gave fans a false bill of goods, as I think, to what she's capable of. Mm. So, I mean, if we look more at um, Atomic Blonde, that we can kind of see that she has, I think, the capability to do something like that. I think that'd be really great to see. 
I, I agree. She's incredible on screen. I think she's really charismatic, but the mummy was just like, don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> At least she was barely in the movie. At least the title character was barely in her Totally made movie. sense, the writing. You know yeah. that. I'm going to rattle off the rest of it. Just seen a shout out from One Day at a Time uh, is, uh, has apparently tested for Renee Montoya. Mm. Roberta Calindras has also tested for that character. Uh, and it's the, the rest of the rumors are that apparently they're looking for a young Cassandra Cain. Uh, I would love to see Maisie Williams do that. Oh, interesting. I, I think I'd love to see Maisie Williams in a young superhero part, but I do think Cassandra has to be Asian. Yeah. Um, I, I'd be curious. I mean, can I like go back and take one of her parents to a very lovely place and say, hey, instead of your dad, can you have another dad? I just mean, I want to You're creating your own somewhere. Elseworlds, and yeah, I love it. It's exactly what it is. Because I was trying to think of who would really fit that that specific background. And I, I, do you guys have anybody that, that came to mind? Because I, I couldn't think of anybody, but also I'm not fully up to date on everything that's going on in young TV right now. That's, that's my issue. Is I, like, I fell I out of know. the young side of things, but I also would love if they got like a Daphne Keene type where it's an unknown, like yeah. a young Asian actress that is really good at martial Wherever arts. Wherever you got her. Oh. Yeah, See Daphne Keene came in and was just like, here's everything. And she was, and when she spoke, we were all like, oh, and she's good at that too. Like, not that she couldn't speak. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was a surprise in Logan. So I, I'd love to have an unknown Asian actress get her start in this and then just kill it. You know, I'd like that opportunity for some young kid that's actually talented martial artist, all those things. Okay, but our, our, our headliners, what do we think? I think it's a great team. I think that we're going to be in the Hugh Jackman X-Men situation where Mar- Margot Robbie is an Oscar-nominated actress, so we're going to get a Harley Quinn and the, instead mm. of like X-Men and the Wolverine, it's Wolverine and the X-Men. So- I love that she has said, Margot Robbie has said repeatedly that she wanted to do ensemble. She wanted Harley to have relationships yeah. with other women. She wanted interactions like that on screen, and we don't get enough of that. And that was the point at which I was like, wait, why did they drag their feet on greenlighting this movie? Yeah. I mean, she, she definitely is brilliant as a, as a filmmaker. Like, all of her choices in business have been incredible. Margaret Robbie's career is, is very well designed. So all of those things make it sound like she's super hands-on in the script, which has me excited. Because I never thought Birds of Prey, February release, would happen, much less have this kind of team assembled. So I, I think it's a great sign. It is also, like, I will... I will keep periodically reminding people that Birds of Prey is a team founded by Oracle. Uh, and as a Barbara Gordon fangirl, it's weird that this version is making it to the screen. But I'm also super in on all their specific choices. What do you think? I'm incredibly optimistic for this. I think that this is kind of the the right move to steer people gently into what is going to be a really female-centric movie, but inside of a universe that men have already accepted. Mm. And not necessarily to get, Trojan like... Trojan horse! <laughs> yeah. Full of badass <laughs> ladies. You didn't notice. <laughs> exactly. We, we tricked you. Uh, surprise. <laughs> but, Unless you're watching this, in which case I just ruined the plot and I'm kicked out of the feminist Illuminati. I'm no, that's okay. <laughs> I'm not a member, so I can't comment. Nice. But no, I think that that it's really curious the way that that they chose to do this. And I also think, by the way, one thing that I would love to see, I don't care who it is, but really in my mind, I'm I'm seeing Janelle Monae. I want to see Katana in this movie because, number one, she's already established. And number two, I want to hear Janelle Monae give narration via exposition and say who she is and maybe some details about her, like whether or not she has anyone's back and whether or not there's any special characteristics about her weapon of choice and, and souls of people. I want to hear that said at least two to three times by her. That's my goal for this movie. I'm, I'm, I'm into that vision. I love that Janelle Monáe was on the short list. And it's yeah. so interesting. Like, I, so I'm going to get out there like, Cast Black Canary with whatever interesting actress you want. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm very on board with that. Her for most of her career, the blonde hair has been a wig anyway. Yeah, she can be anyone. Um, as long as she's a badass martial artist. I, I'm curious what you think the dynamic will be because Oracle as the planner, uh, with Huntress as kind of the wild card, and Black Canary kind of walking in between as the like get things done on the field secret agent was sort of a classic mm-hmm. dynamic. But the Birds of Prey have had a ton of different dynamics over the mm-hmm. years. Uh, so what are you hoping for from these? I hope they do it via casting. I hope they let the script kind of breathe, and then when they cast people, they lock it down. They let the actresses that they believe are the most like the character get to shape the narrative. I know that's a lot more work. I know that involves a lot more rewrites and a lot more additional photography, which is okay if it lands well. So I really hope as long it's a team movie. It should feel like a team. That's one of the things, team movies like the Oceans films or, or Avengers or like like these things, the dynamic between the actors is so important. So once they cast, then I want to kind of play with like what that playset looks like. Well, one thing that you mentioned, especially about craftsmanship, since these are relatively underpowered characters, I would love to see them really dedicate themselves to not having like quick cut action scenes and actually mm-hmm. getting ladies, like you said, that are capable and or could be 
trained properly into doing these physical altercations and things like that. So we can see what is just straight up a solid action film as yeah. well, because I also think that will put butts in seats, especially uh, the more resistant people that are like, well, I really want my faithful adaptation of X, Y, or Z, or right. people that say, well, I just don't know if this will captivate my interest for reasons other than simply that it is crafted and made really beautifully. I think that's a super strong. So Mary Elizabeth Wynn said, I really like you. I hope that you can kick butt. I think you would be great. Um, whatever training is necessary. She kicks butt with her eyes. It's true. She, yeah, she's always like fierce. Uh, <laughs> I also, I think that this team gives us a great opportunity to cast more unknowns than necessarily giant names because Black Canary is not as well known. Like known on TV and Huntress not as well known as say like your Superman or your Supergirl. Like these are characters that Who? are... Uh, exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, they can cast. They can play. There's a lot of flexibility in this movie. So but can we talk about the fact that like Black Canary is a classic member of the Justice League? She's one of the most storied and important people in the DCU. I'm very excited. That she's like. It's a weird way for her to be making her way to the big screen. But, but I'm so happy. Yeah. I just want Zatanna now. That's that's my next, <laughs> that's my next checklist. I've been wanting a Zatanna movie, or like I'm hoping Swamp Thing, that universe, they can bring us Zatanna in and that magic. That's the last one on my bucket list. But but the fact that DC is doing this much, I'm I'm so, that's gonna happen in like two years. Probably a really good sign that the writer of this movie, if I have it right, Christina Hobson, uh, is also the writer of the forthcoming Barbara Gordon movie. So oh, either great. she's planning directly to tie them together, or they liked her work enough to give her like two different chunks of the DC universe, and that makes me very excited. That's a win no matter what. Timing-wise, this is actually kind of genius, because Marvel's going to have kind of an empty landscape, at least vaguely in terms of what we see after the, the remainder of what's left after Infinity War and how mm -hmm. they resolve that and whether or not they decide that any actors are going to stay with their franchises, etc. This is a perfect movie for people to roll into and say, wow, DC's taking this seriously. They can produce movies of the same caliber. Mm -hmm. You don't have to look down on them and think that it can't be good. So... This is a great opportunity for them to show, hey, let's just bring in more obscure characters. Let's introduce people to new storylines. So I think this is going to be great. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm still not in love with it being R-rated, but I know I've, I've already lost that fight. Hopefully <laughs> it will give them room to do a lot of action shit that will make people make the movie massively successful. So knocking on wood. On I want, like, yeah, yeah. We can dive into this all day, but we have minor mutations, a whole world of stuff. So let us minor mutate. The amount of mutations today are many, starting with <laughs> the fact that we, after all these months, have a director of the Eternals movie. It is happening. The Eternals movie is real. Welcome, Chloe Zhao, to directing that movie. Can't wait to talk about it. I'm, yeah, and just, John, that was for you. This movie is real. Um, we are going to talk about some comic book news that if you've been on the internet and not looking at Bowsette, you've been looking at this. Uh, Batman damned and uh, some changes <laughs> coming in the reprints. And uh, Battle Wang. Yep. I put that in the rundown because it makes me laugh. It's I'm real, sorry. It's real good. <laughs> Batman damned. Uh, we also have Alan Heimberg TV series about women of Marvel. We know very little, but the women of Marvel are coming to TV. We're going to talk about who we hope is in it, what we hope it's about. We'll, we'll dive into that. And one of my favorite comics that you probably haven't read yet, but I hope you have. Tweet me if you have. Resident Alien is coming to sci-fi, and friggin' Alan Tudyk is playing him. I will explain that story and why you should be excited. Oh, I'm Alan Tudyk. We also have Stargirl has been cast officially. We have our Stargirl, which means that's moving forward very quickly. I'm excited to see what that does to the entire universe and expanding that out. And we have some really interesting news. Uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Finch are scoring Watchmen. That would be a Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, yeah. The social network score, the weirdest thing to run to, but also the best. That score, yeah, bring it, Watchmen. I'm excited. Uh, we also have the Harley and Joker script has been turned in, and to completely juxtapose the uh, Margot Robbie comments there, the tone of this movie I can't wait to talk about because I've never heard two more different things trying to be put together. <laughs> we got an interesting piece of sort of Marvel corporate news that affects... All of our creative stuff. Bob Iger confirmed that uh, he expects Kevin Feige will oversee the X-Men stuff post-merger. We kind of all expected it, but to hear it said out loud, he also used the interesting quote, uh, which I am going to write on my wall somewhere, there shouldn't be <laughs> two Marvels. Listen up, comics. Uh, we also have an image tweeted by the Russo brothers, the directors of Avengers, and it's... um. Please tell us what it is. If any of you... <laughs> oh, my God. An inanimate object just yelled at us. <laughs> so, uh, Roga thinks Avengers Assembled is what that's teasing. We'll find out soon enough. Tell us what you think. 
Oh, I didn't know Roka had a guess, and now I want to bring him on to, like, do a chalkboard crazy red string (laughs) demonstration. Beautiful Uh, mind behind us. Oh, man, I have all sorts of craft stuff in my car. (laughs) (laughs) We got to pause, guys. A little bit of, uh, you know, less fun internet news. Uh, Former D.C. President Diane Nelson uh, tweeted support for the Joker movie, uh, Mm. and then, unfortunately... Landed on the wrong side of some fans online and ended up deleting her Twitter. Please stop doing that. Do we need to say any more? (laughs) And Kingsman 3 has a release date. That's right. Matt Vaughn is moving forward. Writer, director of Kingsman 1 and 2 is making Kingsman 3, and that is coming out November 8th, 2019. So, a lot of minor mutations. Uh, Let our guest pick first. What do you you want to dive into? What do you want to talk about? Ooh, um, I mean, I kind of want to talk about the bat doodle. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, just because, how, how can we not? Pat Doodle. <laughs> I mean. What do you think so, about Bruce's Wayne? I will say that this was hilarious because I work at a shop, and there came a point this weekend where I, we got so many phone calls about this that I literally was ringing someone up, heard the phone went and ring, and went, hold on, I need to tell this person we're out of Batman Damned. Picked the phone up, listened to the question, went, I'm so sorry, we're out of Batman Damned. Put the phone down and continued with the... It was that kind of weekend for retailers all over the country. We don't blame you for being interested. (laughs) So, I mean, let's face it. It's not like this would be somebody's first Google for that. (laughs) So... (laughs) I just think it's... I'm worried about the fact that it's being recalled digitally like they took out that frame and then the next print is not going to have it and it's just it's really weird that we're societally okay with a person being mentally ill punching his way through problems using his money as a crux never solving his mental illness but we see his dick and then it's a a scandal like it's it's really interesting like where we stand like america as a culture doesn't like nudity and this was like the literal like batman's in the news because of dicks and it's just it's a really weird i don't know it makes me uncomfortable that people are uncomfortable because 50 50 chance you got one would you like to hear my illuminati theory yes this was perpetrated by collectors wanting to have a valuable piece of comic <laughs> so that way they can sell it for a lot, lot, lot of money later. So this was perpetrated by collectors. I That's like the it. only reason why this is happening. And it's working. Well, yeah. I was worried briefly when, okay, so a funny story. This is what happens when we put picks on there because I know they're going to be interesting, but I didn't have advanced copies. We picked Batman Damned last week and I hadn't read it yet. So surprise uh, you're welcome <laughs> uh i have now read it and it is good like uh you know the art especially libra mayo is oh it's thing. it's good <laughs> <laughs> is it amy is it good well so here's what's is interesting. It a long story <laughs> i think you'll have to read and find out um uh, would you say it's a dense story i think it you the, know like in terms of girth the writing's a little stiff <laughs> oh so this is the kind of thing they let themselves in for when they decided to do this. <laughs> it was the inaugural release of uh, the DC's Black Label, which is supposed to be mature readers. Right. And this is like, I have some mixed feelings about this because I agree with you that it is weird that we have societal hangups about nudity that don't apply to violence and other content. Uh, and as we will see in the pull list, I read a lot of shit with mature content. Saga's on the list. If you would like to see people naked... <laughs> Saga exists um, and has had its own struggles with digital. Like, part of the reason they might have changed the digital release is that, like, the Apple Store won't carry things with male nudity. This was a fight they had on Saga, like, ages ago. Yeah. um, Where, like, they had an issue get taken down. And and that, I may be, that was the issue at the time. I haven't, like, checked if the terms of services have changed. But that might be part of why uh, the digital release was different. Now, an interesting thing that happened, like, we, we can have a whole side thing on Batman Damned. I think in part, it, I was worried it was just a publicity stunt when they so quickly announced that they were going to remove it from further printings. Mm-hmm. I think part of it really was just sort of behind-the-scenes stuff that happened at DC where uh, like the, there was a preview print, and that preview came out darker, so it looked less obvious, and then the actual mm-hmm. print was much clearer. And you could assume that that was nefarious, or you could literally just assume that that was a like wild misunderstanding where they... Like, I've seen both the preview and the regular one, and it's much darker, but Bermejo's art is dark, so if they lightened it up, then blah, blah, blah. It's suddenly, it looks very different. (laughs) I side-by-sided them. Um, Not that I spent a lot of time thinking about this this week. Obviously not. And now, unfortunately, I'm really excited about Black Label. I'm really excited about mature storytelling. And I do think that the way it's presented in that story is intended to just be him being vulnerable. It's not particularly gratuitous, but I don't want them to do more things like this. 
I don't and want it to be why. a thing, a crux. Here's why. I don't, like, I don't mind that they're changing it for the release. A, because the story's going to be just as good. It's really mm. not a huge part of the story. Um, and I don't want that door open because I feel like I know what's on the other side of that door. And what's on the other side of that door is not an even split of male-female nudity. Mm, it is everybody's weird fantasy that they can now get a check to, to like, it's fine, write your fetish porn at home, in the safety of your home. But don't make it in, like, a story that might end up canon someday. Like, canon hentai is a slippery slope. We don't it, want and that. it's a slippery slope that hits, I believe, like, my firm conviction is... Firm conviction, I'm sorry. See, it's just a, uh, It's very I'm difficult to discuss I'm not a this. mature reader. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've proven that. Right. The amount of giggles and the, uh, the puns. I think once you open that door, it's just going to be like tasteful nudity for all female superheroes all the time and i realize some people would be into that but like i don't think it would be handled i think this team and this editor and this creative situation created a cool mature document that i don't think is really a problem but i don't trust other people to follow that example for the rest of comics time so i'm kind of fine with superheroes keeping their clothes on the end that's my sorry rant i I, I, my bigger thing was the overall like 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 into the wild is rated r because emile hirsch floats down Mm -hmm. a river naked in it and if like female nudity can be pg-13 if it's not sexual but male nudity no matter what is r which is messed up right that's like opportunity genitalia people but like like yeah like titanic is is pg-13 and into the wild czar that's weird to me so like just stuff like that with comics is uh, comics are not just a child's medium and this was a great example to show like this is an adult book for adults and that shouldn't be cnn coverage to me and like all of this just got so out there and i just thought it was it was an opportunity for us to discuss comics in a way that's affecting the world and to say like maybe we should relook at how we perceive nudity and sexualizing characters like it's kind of weird that we're just like definitely because of our american mentality though i mean like europeans view violence and nudity completely inversely right just hit the thing to how we do it so i mean i guess that i would love to see this show uh aired in like the UK right now. I just yeah, love to see laughing. what they were saying. They'd yeah. be confused. Claire, tweet us. What do you think? <laughs> um, uh, so, obviously, a ton else on here. Um, if you had other favorites, I'm very. Like, the Eternals movie is really happening. Yeah. Chloe yeah. Zhao is going to be directing an Eternals movie. So, I guess we know, uh, like, a confirmed. I, we, we, we believed that. Okay. The movie. <laughs> Had been announced. I don't think we were in wild rumor territory, mm-hmm. but uh, knowing that, like, that's a solid piece of what we're going forward with. That's a solid piece of what direction Marvel is going, and it's a fascinating, very weird choice. But I do love that uh, they said in the article that they had met with Chloe Zhao initially about Black Widow. And remember, there was that thing like six months ago. Uh, they were like, "Yeah, they've met with like 55 directors oh, yeah. for Black yeah. Widow." And at the time, I was like, "Hopefully, that's just director auditions for your next crop for Phase Four. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Good call. Oh, I love that. That's a great point. Damn, not me, is what I'm saying. Yeah, they, they brought in a lot of people, and now they're like, well, we liked your work for this, maybe not for Black Widow, but go over here. Or we're like just waiting, like, oh, we love that. Eternals would suit you. That's a great, yes, that's fantastic. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, I, I have to talk about, uh, before we run out of time, I have to talk about the weird script that they describe yes. Joker and Harley Quinn as. Okay, what's the pitch? So they <laughs> say the, pitch, the script boy. is complete, and it mixes Bad Santa and This Is Us? I don't know. In their defense, apparently that's because they actually worked on both of those. And what they're saying is we're bringing the sensibilities from different parts of our work together. Oh, I, I believe that they believe that. <laughs> and, I, and I love This Is Us. And I, and I enjoy Bad Santa. I really, really do. I can't imagine what that looks like together. Like, This Is Us is my weekly therapy. And Bad Santa is like a guilty pleasure. If you've worked on those, like, you can... Happy Feet is made by the same guy that made Mad Max Fury Road. If he told me I'm going to combine my films, I'd be like, what is that, bro? Like, Happy Feet Fury Road can't exist. How can this exist? What is bad? This is us. I want to know. Um, see, I want to see that Happy Feet Fury Road now. <laughs> yes. Because, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm the naysayer of this only because I'm the inhuman person that like has absolutely no patience or enjoyment for emotional torture porn like This Is Us. Oh, so, I... I don't know if it'll be for me. <laughs> I just need a good cry now and again. And that show, you know, sometimes you think you're a Kevin, but you're really a Toby. This is us. So the description, they, are, we, are we talking plot? Do we want to share the, that bit of yeah, the article? Fair. Yeah. Or we, Why not? There's potential spoilers if this movie gets made and it's not in the trailer. Um, <laughs> apparently it is 
again, it sort of feels like it would fit best as an out-of-continuity story, but mm-hmm. it's uh, Harley uh, kidnapping Dr. Phil. In the words of the screenwriters, hopefully Actually, played... Actually, Dr. Phil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Actually. Yeah. Uh, to, to give relationship advice. So that would be sort of the, like, the real heart and the, the comedy, I guess, of, of that. Like, and it it makes a certain amount of sort of, like... I think probably I would read this comic... I don't know that it makes sense for me that this is like a cinematic priority since we have so much else going on. Other Jokers and other Harleys. Are, like, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm not going to be... It, maybe this script will sit on the shelf for a while. Maybe they'll decide to do it. Harley in her mode with Joker is not my favorite Harley, but that doesn't mean they might not turn out a movie that I'd have a really good time with. Agreed. I mean, I think that this story, if you told it, if, if it was not connected to a particular character or to an established character, I would say that a fantastical, ridiculous premise can really, really hit. I don't know if I would like it because of who it's centered around, but mm. I'm, I'm going to keep my, myself open-minded. I'm going to stay optimistic. I just, yeah. I've never heard such a, a dichotomy of, of, as a pitch, like there's always that yeah. funny Hollywood thing, like me, but me, like when you meet and that was like, what are these things? Now, ooh, imagine that elevator pitch. <laughs> right? Like what was that like at yeah. Warner Brothers? I wonder if I would like it better if it was like an indie comic where they sort of filed the serial numbers off and did like their own <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde style thing and they kidnap a therapist to help them work out their relationship issues. Like maybe it's me having baggage with these characters that makes me wonder about it as a thing. Cause like, oh. it does seem like that, you know, sort of crazy supervillains in love who kidnap a therapist to help them work out their issues does sound like a valid premise. You both bring up very good points. Now, the, if I, I just in my head removed the Joker and Harley Quinn, and if it was an episode of This Is Us that had, like, flashbacks to insane antics, and, like, that became the bad Santa thing. Like Is that if, a thing? Like, no, no, no. But I'm saying I'm trying to stretch my mind to see uh-huh. this. Like, if it was the emotional core of This Is Us, but there were crazy antics, I would love, like, if there was somehow that ability, maybe? But I think since it's Harley and Joker, I'm so tied to the characters that I can't unplug. I don't know. Hey, Collider fans. It's your buddy Mark Ellis, the host of Collider Movie Talk. At least I am today. And y'all know I'm a huge fan of Batman. And I cannot wait to watch one of my favorite all-time animated shows, Batman, the animated series in HD on DC Universe. DC Universe, it's the ultimate DC membership created just for DC fans like you and me. It's the only place you can watch original DC series like the all-new live-action Titans premieres fall 2018, Young Justice Outsiders, Doom Patrol, Swamp Things, Stargirl and Harley Quinn coming in 2019. New episodes are available weekly, so there's always something new to check out. It's thoughtfully curated, regularly refreshed library of digital comics. The comic reader is going to change the way you read your comic books. It even works on your big screen TV. Even John Roca's new 4K TV will love the comic reader. This is the place to grab exclusive DC merch, debate and discuss all things DC, and it's available on your favorite devices, iOS, Android, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Android TV and Google Chromecast. Only $7.99 a month. That might be the best part. Or better yet, grab an annual membership and save 20%. Join the ultimate DC membership today at DCUniverse.com. That's DCUniverse.com. And tell Bruce Wayne I said hi. What's up, Collider TV Talk fans? Josh McCuga here with Thad Williams. Uh, we're, we're here. We're on the podcast channel, Collider TV Talk. Subscribe. Get on here. We're talking all kinds of fun stuff on TV Talk. TV Talk is back. The fact that you guys haven't subscribed to this channel is bonkers. Yeah, you should really do it. Uh, <laughs> search search Collider TV Talk in iTunes or you can go to Podcast One and mm-hmm. you can copy the link and put it into your podcast feed reader. You can find us on the Collider Podcasts channel on YouTube. We're here. We're doing TV Talk every Friday. We're doing spoiler reviews of your favorite shows. 100%. We're doing Emmy specials. We're doing interviews with writers and directors and stars. Anything you want, we're doing on Collider TV Talk. Us, special guests, friends, the Pope, everyone's coming in. It's going to be good. the young Pope, actually. The young Pope. He's coming in. Jude Law. Yeah, yeah. Coming in. Uh, yeah, you should do it. You should subscribe right now. The fact that you're not doing it is ridiculous. So put down those books or magazines or whatever else you're doing that isn't watching TV Talk and watch us. Josh McCuga, Dad Williams. Hey, Collider fans, this is John Roca. You guys know I'm a massive fan of the Justice League. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and of course, Shazam! So I'm into DC Universe. It's the ultimate DC membership. It's the only place you can watch original DC series, like the all-new live-action Titans, which premieres in fall of 2018. Young Justice, Outsiders, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, which just got a, a cast announced, so I'm looking forward to that. Stargirl and Harley Quinn coming in 2019. And new episodes are available weekly. That's right, weekly. 
So you're never bored. You're never out of content. DC Universe takes care of you in that way. And if you're a comic reader, that will change the way you read comics. It even works on your big screen TV. It's the place to grab exclusive DC merch like Justice League animated series action figures. There's even a members only store. You can debate and discuss all things DC. We know there's a lot of debate about DC online. So why not bring it out into the DC Universe? You got fan focused discussion forums. You can share your own DC knowledge with other people as well. You can win awesome rewards just for being a member, and it's available on all your favorite devices. That's right, like iOS and Android, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Android TV, and Google Chromecast. This is more than just a streaming service, everybody. This is your universe. It's only $7.99 a month. That's right, only $7.99 a month. Or better yet, grab an annual membership and save 20%. Join the Ultimate DC Membership today at DCUniverse.com. You know what would be cool, though, is if they started doing, like, what Pixar does with their shorts in front of their movies, and this was just an out-of-continuity short. I would be totally down for that. Oh, that actually would be really fun. Uh, Shoot. You heard it here. DC, do it. Call me. DC shorts. Uh, Speaking of shorter works of entertainment, I don't know. I want to talk about Alan Heinberg. Yes. Uh, You might not know his name, but you should. He was the screenwriter for Wonder Woman, and he is uh, a longtime comic book and TV guy. Mm -hmm. He's got mad TV credits, uh, and... He came from that background and uh, dropped by comics, uh, did a reboot of Wonder Woman, who is Wonder Woman from about 2006, and uh, created the Young Avengers with Jim Chung. Uh, so he's an, an, an incredible storyteller who does a lot of shit I really, really care about uh, and was a valuable part of the Wonder Woman TV uh, script process uh, for the movie that I love so much. So this random out-of-nowhere news that he's doing some kind of show for ABC, not the Disney streaming service, but ABC... Network! <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But how does this fit in with anything? It's going to center some women of the Marvel Universe, but we don't know who who isn't being used elsewhere, or maybe there are other versions of people. What is this? I want it <laughs> to happen. I know he was trying to make a Wonder Woman TV show happen for a long time. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess... What? Okay, someone else talk. I don't know. What? What is this? With a budget, I'd love... Like, I want A-Force to be a movie, but I'd love if there was a Young Avengers kind of A-Force. I'd love to have, mm. like, Cassie Lang at, like, lead a team. Oh, he's I'd, so good at teams. Right? Like, because uh, I didn't realize until you just said it, Heinberg, I've seen that name on so many comic covers, I didn't know it was the same guy. So, a bunch of you are doing the same thing right now. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> so now that, that I know that, uh, I want, like, Cassie Lang leading a team. I'd love to see Kate Bishop. I love Kate Bishop. Uh, I'd love to see... The young. What if female. it's West Coast Avengers? That's, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking like, like run. West Coast meets A Force, but the younger side. Yeah. Like, I would, I would say that. In a, I'd watch that every week. And ABC is the right outlet for it. It could be very empowering, be very smart. It mm-hmm. could have a bigger budget. ABC has a little deeper pockets than a streaming service necessarily. So yeah. there's hope there. Think I'd of love that it. new Warrior show where they're, they're like even like even more troubled buddies, and then you have like a crossover. Um, I still want the Squirrel Girl show back. They made yes. it. It's on a shelf somewhere. Bless you. Never sneezed in um. there before. That must have sounded weird. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What do you think? I think that budget is probably my number one concern because mm. it is so easy to want to, to imagine in our heads how good something like this really could be. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, on a shooting timetable and even with network money, I would worry that it would just suffer because it wouldn't be – it would – it front load certain episodes and then it'd save stuff for a finale and then in the middle we'd kind of get like weakly plotted or poorly executed action and special effects and things like that but I think that the premise is fantastic and I think that it, network TV needs some stuff like this because it shouldn't just be niche it shouldn't just be streaming service because how do you expect to get the mass audience because not everyone in the mass audience can say I must have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime mm-hmm. Disney streaming service, DC streaming service um, 8,000 other things that there are that you can spend hard-earned dollars on so i i think that this is great do you think that'll have any connection to agents of shield and the other abc tv stuff i kind of hope so i I actually worry that agents of shield goes away when disney streaming starts up it's it's on that sixth season spot it's kind of like i i could see that like being a thing that ends and i could see the starting a new one i'm not saying that i'm not saying that's what i want but i could see them winding down some shows that have been going and then Mm. i know they they kind of separate netflix on purpose they might soft not reboot but have this abc show be the beginning of continuity actually tying together especially with the kevin feige comments about x-men it'd be really interesting and kevin feige starts to reach out and like has a little bit of conversation with it like i know jeff Loeb is is killing it on connecting his tv shows and i think that cloak and dagger might intersect with runaways but i don't see runaways ever connecting to daredevil do you know what i mean so i could see this Mm -hmm. abc show being the first thing that really connects to the movies directly because it'd be a new thing but we saw with agents of shield that that didn't necessarily like it would sometimes derail the plans that they had and it, it 
it meant that, like, because, like, Alan Heiberg has the background and the chops to be a Greg Berlanti for Marvel uh, if he wanted to. But, like, first of all, I think you have different sort of targets you have to hit on an ABC show than you do on a CW one. So I don't know if we're ever mm-hmm. going to get, like, four different ABC shows about different elements of this. And the other thing is they have... They have most of the DC universe to play with. There are big things they're not allowed to touch, but they get to do their own versions of a bunch of iconic DC stuff on those shows. And if this isn't supposed to conflict with the other stuff, right. like there's a ton of amazing female characters in Marvel, but getting them across to a mass audience and figuring out what you can and can't use and connect to... So I think Kate Bishop could be interesting, or Cassie. Like, those are two characters that would be in movies, but only... Like, you use the same cast member. Use the same person mm-hmm. they're putting in Avengers yeah. 4 that's Cassie on the TV. And do those things, and I think it could work. But I, it's the scheduling. Like, I love that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ties in when it can, but I always feel bad when they're like, gotta wait six weeks. Like, that must be rough on everyone involved. On the other hand, if they are doing some kind of uh, very tragic turn with the Avengers, if they get disassembled, that's literally where the Young Avengers mm-hmm. came from. Maybe it's just straight-up Young Avengers. Oh. People got confused because there are women in it, and they thought that meant all women uh and they're just doing that maybe i mean that would be the one time where the cinematic universes could actually gift the tv universes because usually they end up just saying oh agents of shield screw shield shields no more screw your tv show i mean not that that was intentional but i mean byproduct of so i really like that because that's a a great idea that they could finally repay that (laughs) and it'd be interesting then we touched on it briefly, and then I got one more meditation I got to talk about. Okay, uh, two briefly, uh, yeah, the two Marvels oh, is Kevin Feige spearheading X Men is the dream. Uh, I love the idea that we could have maybe a young X-Men team grow through. I could see him playing the long game. X-Men mm-hmm. is a legacy. It is it is very important that the first X-Men lead to the next X-Men. That like Long-form storytelling is X-Men. It's super serialized. I am so excited about the idea of Kevin Feige getting to spearhead something that could last 10 years. And we could grow up with these X-Men. We could have Harry Potter with the, the, the original five. We could have new teens mm-hmm. come in. We could play a Krakoa because That's we're so invested in those. And then it's not scatter shot these movies tie together and then we have to have a soft reboot with Days of Future Past and then we throw off continuity again and like he's gonna make a, 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 sh- a show bible for movies and that's exciting to me plus I think <laughs> we'll get a little more clarity on time and I think that that it will hold together and lend itself better to a long-term story because is he bald is he not bald can he walk can he not walk when is he Patrick Stewart and I like that in a way they're self-aware about it right but I think that to have somebody that has been a puppet master of so many different things and congealing them together in a way that's cohesive and that makes sense and has only minor fluctuations in its continuity, I think that that's something that could lend itself really well to X-Men. I agree. I also, one of my favorite stories about Kevin Feige was the, the interview where it was revealed that like before he was ever head honcho of everything, he was on set for the original X-Men movies, literally standing next to the hairdresser encouraging them to make Wolverine's hair bigger. <laughs> Because he's he committed to the he material, and he understands, like, that, that that's... Uh, so we didn't get, like, a... This wasn't exactly an announcement of X-Men movies. It was just Iger saying, yeah, I expect he'll be in charge of that area, but it's still very comforting to have. If that it lands there, it'll be under that guise, yeah. and that's exciting. So. Um, Resident Alien is a Dark Horse comic. He's hiding out in, like, a Colorado town pretending to be a doctor, but then there's a murder, and he has to sort of try not to blow his cover while he helps with this small town investigation but he is literally from another planet trying to get picked back up alan tudyk is gonna kill in this part mm-hmm. uh it's you know like small town murder but with aliens and like it's it, it, i'm really excited i i had missed somehow that that was making its way through development um so fantastic get there hey hey is an alien now yeah and Reznor Finch, uh, every score they've mm. done, I've loved. If you've seen Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, if you've seen Social mm-hmm. Network, they're very dark and foreboding, but also have like very interesting grunge meets techno sounds. Their yeah. flavor of music is so specific and so jarring, but also energetic, and that's perfect for Watchmen. I want Watchmen to feel I'm uncomfortable, but I'm in focus, <laughs> and that is exactly the sound they create. So when they announced this, I was like, oh, the tone of Watchmen's right, so I'm so stoked. Definitely. I think that the other really interesting thing is that each one of those previous works is still really unique. Like, mm-hmm. it's... it's Similar, but it's also really unique. So I'm curious to see where this goes. Yeah. Do you want to get to the next round of the pull list? This yes, week? we've mm. got a pull list. Will it contain something that gets massively expensive three days later? <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? But that's not the point of comics. Uh, number one. This one will be something interesting to talk about. I'm still mulling over my thoughts on it. Heroes in Crisis number one came out. It is the massive DC crossover. Uh, it is an event comic from Tom King with Clay Mann on art and a bunch of other collaborators eventually. We'll be talking about it. 
Stranger Things number one is our number two pick, and that is written by a friend of the show and friend of the us, yeah. uh, Jody Hauser. And it takes place in alternate versions of the things we've seen in the show. So these are these are moments within canon that we haven't seen, which I love when shows do that right. Yeah, what was Will up to? Number three, this is actually, I wanted to break it up a little bit. Normally we pull individual issues of comics, uh, but this is a trade paperback because Saga Volume 9 is out today. The long-awaited, before we go on a big hiatus with it, this is one of the absolute juggernaut indie comics. If you have not been reading it, it is a huge deal. It is a wonderful story. It will break your heart into 10,000 pieces, uh, and it does have that aforementioned mature content, so watch out for that. Uh, But a bunch of you I know just already went low. Oh shit, that's today? That's today. <laughs> and my number four pick is Venom First Host number five, which I just had to give some shout out love to Mark Bagley. Mark Bagley is one of the first people to draw Venom. He was very soon after Todd McFarlane. He also invented the look of Carnage. Mark Bagley is an incredible artist, and on this book in particular, it involves the Kree Skrull War, which I didn't expect a Venom book mm. to deal with. So it's basically giving mythology to Venom that is before Spider Man, before all that stuff, which I'm hit or miss on. Some of the Venom stuff mythology doesn't land for me, but this book in particular is beautiful art so even if you don't love the story look at that cover uh, but yeah I want to talk about that more in a minute and the first trade paperback collection uh, is out today for the book I keep trying to tell y'all about it is Exiles it is on the Marvel side it is by Saladin Ahmed and it uh, Javier Rodriguez with Rod Rice on one of the issues and it's so good I can't explain it it's so like so full of love for the Marvel Universe, so full of insane creative stuff happening, uh, so full of weirdly moving moments with Cartoon Wolverine. <laughs> uh, you won't see any of it coming, and it will delight you. Okay. Can, can we, like, here, I know nothing of Heroes in Crisis, so I know you, you, you really? I did. Okay, so spoiler free, because you guys haven't, I haven't, Tom King doing a crisis book. Yeah. What? So the word crisis is back. It's been a few years, but DC is required by a pact that they made with an immortal being <laughs> to have a story called crisis every few years, I assume. Uh, this one is very interesting because it is intended, I'm going to just to general background it, uh, you're going to want to read this before you get a lot of spoilers about what happens in it. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, but there is sort of a place designed for uh, folks who have suffered trauma or or struggling with the long-term effects of being in the superhero trade. And this is, in theory, it's drawing on Tom King's experience. Uh, He used to be, I want to say CIA, but I'm not super clear on the details. He has a a very interesting pre-comics life that he draws on, and a lot of his books are about people sort of in over their head in situations or people struggling with the, like, psychological effects of dealing with this stuff. Now, that's a really interesting pedigree to bring. I'm not sure how I'm going to ultimately come down on this series. Clayman's art is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I will say that right off. Uh, As discussed previously, there's a limit to how much I want real-world stuff in some of my superhero comics. And I don't know... I mean, it's only issue one, so I don't know where this is going to land for me. Um, But uh, something bad goes down, and trying to figure out uh, what happened in that space that was supposed to be for healing and why... uh, is the focus of Heroes in Crisis. It was both our number one, so I wanted to make sure... I'm so excited by the entire team behind it and the word crisis, Uh, (laughs) so that means a lot, and the Tom King name is is everything for me right now. I love him and DC and everything he's doing, and Mr. Miracle's almost wrapping up soon as well. Uh, But that book, I I can't wait for. Are there any of these that jumped out of you? Um, I actually am not very current right now. I'm a little behind, but um, the way that you described that, I think that might land for me personally, but, I mean, that's just because of what I bring in when I read it, so I'm actually really excited now. I think... Probably there are going to be a lot of people who get a lot of good out of it. I just, yeah. I know I have some some mixed feelings about like sometimes when you bring in real world stuff, it goes really beautifully. Yeah. I love Alias. Mister Miracle is mm-hmm. wonderful. Sometimes you get stories that I'm like, ooh, I like. I thought Identity Crisis was a beautiful work, but it's I don't love reading. it as a piece of DC history. Yeah, and that's one of those. Uh, this is not. Different different issues in this one so far than that one. <laughs> just to put that trigger warning out there, um, not the same. Uh, but uh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, we got Fair we got a couple others to talk about. Uh, Venom first dose. I, I kind of dove into a lot of the things I wanted to say, but I also want to bring up the fact that it's a weekly book, so it is oh. a book that's that's just been powering through, and it is a book that will never tie into movie continuity. So, Cree Scrolls can't exist in Venom. All this backstory can't exist in Venom. But it's a really fun if you like the character of Venom and you 
like me are worried about how it doesn't tie into Spider-Man, it's a great mm-hmm. example of how the Venom character can exist without Spider-Man. So it kind of gave me hope uh, for the Sony Venom situation, and it's it's completely removed, and it kind of gives you some excitement for Kree Scroll stuff that's coming with Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. with Avengers, all those things. So it was interesting to read a book that was effectively like Sony, what they're doing, Marvel, what they're doing, but meshed together in a way that'll never happen in, in the movies. So it's a fun book, and Mark Bagley doesn't get enough love, in my opinion. So check that one out. I think that sounds great. I like that uh, I can let go of any hang-ups. Yeah, there's no yeah. canon that's ever going to come from this. This is whoop, over See, here. And that's Which just pure unbridled fun. Yeah. I think it's probably part of why I like Exiles is that it's like, aside from Blink, who has the, a particular, like, it's Blink and a bunch of weird alternate universe characters, but they're thrown together by fate and they've got to save the universe. And to do it, they're going to meet weird alternate World War II Peggy Carter who picked up the shield and became Captain America. She it's knows it's weird. Um, they're taking her from essentially a video game design. Um, but, like, there's so much imagination and heart in that book. It's, it's bonkers. And just Stranger Things because I love the show and because I like the idea of exploring Will's story because you run out of stuff. I hope this is the beginning of a really good version of the 80s comics thing where they kept mm. tying things into movies and shows. And they use the medium of comics to tell stories they didn't have the budget for, didn't have the time for, didn't have the, the ability to do. And that way you can read a comic and it'll fill in holes, but you can enjoy both mediums separately and together. I love the idea of the DC app because you can watch something, then read the comic. This is even more direct while something's airing. You can flip. So and I think it's really exciting. Jody's done a ton of amazing work. She has also faith out today she's got several books going at any given time she's writing amazing spider-man renew your vows right now she's also done a ton of licensed work uh which so she's done orphan black comics which had the same challenge of like figuring out how to retell or add pieces or do different perspectives she's been through all of this she adapted some of the star wars movies uh for marvel uh so yeah they got the right team on this one jody's great uh we also have some twitter questions from you guys who are also great what do we got all right, so our very first Twitter question comes from Rob Schaefer at Rob Schaefer JD uh, at Quajandro at Enthusiami hashtag Collider Heroes. Intrigued that Stargirl and Heroes in Crisis are both set in Nebraska. Can we expect a <laughs> Ralph Dibney and Wally West cameo in Stargirl since they're from Nebraska also? These are his words. There isn't a lot going on here. They probably have nothing else to do. I've never <laughs> been in Nebraska. I'm not going to claim to know what's going on there, but Nebraskans, don't get mad at me for reading that tweet. Uh, <laughs> I love the idea of a cameo. I love Ralph Dibney. I think they actually they got on Flash is perfect for him. Uh, I haven't actually gotten to that point, but I met the cast and I saw him and I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, that's who he plays. It was like this amazing, like life imitating art moment. So I think that Nebraska is a, is a very specific setting. That could be fun. What do you I'm think? personally hoping for a lot of JSA people to pop mm. up in Stargirl, uh, but I will not turn down any sort of <laughs> like, I think it's adorable to think of Nebraska cameos. Although, as we just discussed, uh, Stargirl and Heroes in Crisis are going to have very different tone <laughs> anything to make nebraska better <laughs> let's bring it all together sorry nebraska <laughs> chris corral uh sent us a question at corralled and what are your thoughts on marvel disney launching a max cinematic universe like it did for the comics a while back this would be where deadpool new mutants blade and other r-rated movies could live and connect keep it sweaty hashtag collider heroes thank you I think yes. They kind of did that. It's called Netflix. But, they, I mean, they did. But when they get their streaming service, the fear is that Deadpool won't exist or yeah. X-Force won't happen. I mean, even Rob Liefeld, his Instagram was like, hmm? And I was like, oh, no, if he's saying it. Uh, so, Rob, please, please. Have there be X-Force if you're in control of that. You're not. I'm sorry. Uh, I want there to be a pocket that is like an 18 plus. Like, you know, kids are going to lie. But just like when you go on a booze website, you got to click, yeah, I'm 21. That's fine. But I think these characters deserve that max line. I think Blade deserves VR. I think Deadpool needs Mm -hmm. to be R. I think there are characters that belong in the the film and TV TV world that can't be muddled down. So if this happens, that I think a max line totally makes sense. It is an interesting... Uh, shoot, I, I should have saved more time for this question because I'm curious. In comics, you can have Luke Cage walk around in an Avengers comic and also mm-hmm. go over to a Max comic and kind of be dealing with different stuff or behaving differently in either. And we're so used to that that we can kind of mentally compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. When it's literally the same actor, will it be as easy? Will it work as well? I think, I think in some ways Marvel actually might be depending on... Uh, the success of Joker here to see whether mm. people can start to handle like can you just greenlight a different vision of things that sort of lives alongside it and has a different tone right. can people live with that multiple realities kind of deal or do you think it should just be like should people go back and forth between that proposed max line and the regular one I think purists would say no but I think the general audience would be okay with that mm. but I think it's going to be really subjective, and I think it's going to matter how much are they separating the tones, how much are they differing in terms of specific performance cues and things like that. So 
I'd say it could go really great, or it could just be a garbage fire. I think Infinity War proved we can mix tones, because if you look at even Thor, for example, Thor mm-hmm. and Thor and Thor and Ragnarok were different characters, and Infinity oh, yeah. War blended them. So I think if you trust your actors, you trust your writing team, look at the jumps from Earth to space, we're just in space, and you're like, Guardians! And like that mm-hmm. didn't feel weird. And I also think that, that we have a... That would be a good point. Had they rolled Jessica Luke and Danny and Matt into a scene in Infinity War, I probably would have been like, yeah, okay, they'll go back to doing their own thing, but like I believe them here. It's Exactly, and Daredevil was the Daredevil's Punisher was less intense than Punisher's Punisher. Uh, like he was definitely mm-hmm. intense; he was still the Punisher, but it was a, like a different tone. So I think you can do an R-rated corner of a universe and not sacrifice your PG. I think it's totally possible. That's one of the reasons I thought Venom could be R, even if it brings in Spider-Man later. It's not like we're gonna not notice. Uh, so I think you can alter things. And Infinity War really showed how many tones you can fit in one film and still have it be accurate and authentic to everyone. Especially singular focus versus ensemble. I think that you're right. They can really kind of capture and encapsulate that this is something separate and it can be more extreme. So Absolutely. I, yeah. So I think it's possible. Uh, we also have Old Boy at DJ Old Boy. He says, keep forgetting to ask for heroes and it's something I had meant to tweet at Schnepp, but what if Woody Harrelson is J. Jonah Jameson <laughs> in Venom like maybe in the beginning or end setting him up for future movies? I hinted at this earlier because <laughs> I think this is brilliant casting. I think you are a soothsayer, sir. Uh, if this happens, I will be so excited to have that tie into Spider-Man or just have the voice of Woody Harrelson. I don't know how I never pictured it. He is so Woody Harrelson, like so Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yeah, I can't even get him straight. Uh, the idea of Woody Harrelson with a little angry mustache and just like pictures of spider-man is amazing so that tying in is perfect and that's a great way to set up this sony verse spider verse madness put woody harrelson there i love that idea and we were talking about before the show carnage Mm -hmm. is more my frenetic weird energy so i picture like woody harrelson's got this like low level psychotic plays Mm -hmm. like in in planet of the apes and stuff (laughs) get like a ben foster get like a frenetic crazy and then that be your carnage woody here spider-man and then yeah what do you guys think I think that's a genius. I mean, when we talked about it earlier, it was like, mind. Full credit to DJ Old Boy. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that's, I think that would be cool as hell. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to expect, but certainly if we're doing Spider-Man Universe, I, we got to have some of these pieces in play. Yeah, I think so. I, I love that idea. Thank you for that casting idea. And finally. Our sweaty question of the week comes from Christina Price at Starbuck United. Could you, or one of your heroes crew, please help me by telling me what's the best comic book value guide online or printed out there to use? I guess I got too old because apparently Wizard Mag and some others I used are not on my searches. Hashtag frustrated. I have really bad news. Wizard, stop publishing. Yeah. I, th- I wanted to ask you this because I loved Wizard and I love knowing what my comics are worth. I have failed to find this answer. I love that you made this the sweaty of the question of the week. There's, there is a simple answer to this. It's called the Overstreet. Uh, it comes out every year in a new edition. They're on edition 41 or 42 now. Okay. Uh, I, it is, unfortunately, it's a paper book. Uh, I don't even know if there is a digital edition, and I'm pretty sure there isn't an easily browsable uh, online access version. But uh, your local comic book store will have one you can borrow, and they can order you a copy of your own. It's $29.95, uh, and they update it every year. Uh, and it's one of the fun rituals at the store is to sort of see, like, oh, look, Batman Adventures 12 just doubled in price a few Mm. years ago. This literally happened uh, because Harley was getting so much heat in the wider culture. Uh, But it's, it's, so it is updated every year. They break it down by condition. They define what the conditions are. uh, And it is comprehensive for American comics. Uh, It's called The Overstreet. So I thought that was about as sweaty as it gets, wanting to know the exact <laughs> detail and not being able to find it, and you referenced Wizard, which is exciting. Uh, when you were reading comics growing up, did Wizard ever cross your path? Not specifically, no, but also, uh, admittedly, my biological sister kept all of my catalogs, so... And I'm a terrible person because now Dan and I just text Mark Andreco and ask him. <laughs> <laughs> that is the other trick. Just text Mark Andreco. Phone a friend. Yeah, phone That's a friend. That's the other way to do it. So we're terrible people. <laughs> uh, the way I kind of do it, uh, piecemeal, is I go to like a Mile High Comics and see what they do for their sale prices because they change things with sales. And I look at like mycomicshop.com and other sites and I kind of put together an average. So yeah. I'm super type A and weird. Oh, so- yeah. That's the other thing is the Overstreet is, a, is basically the Bible. By, it's what we go by at the shop, but the real answer to what a comic is worth is what people what are actually yeah. paying for it. Yeah. So I have my my uh, weird, beautiful mind list is the comic, 
a Mile High Price, which I have as MH, a Comic Street, and then the Over Street. And I have three categories of what it's worth, and then I have an average at the very end. And then I do it by category of what I think the value of the comic is for the rating that it is. So it literally looks, oh, it's some madness. And I do that for all the comics I need. So the last 39 Spider-Mans I need, I have the price. I think I should pay for it. I'm willing to pay for it and what I could buy it for online because I'm a crazy person. Well, here's so that's the real that's amazing. Here's the real type <laughs> A question, though. Do you have it in Excel, and do you have it auto-calculate? I have it in Excel, and I also have it in a Word folder because when I print it out it looks better on word because excel doesn't translate as well and the auto calculator i don't always trust so i double check it so that's there but i'm like not computers no math uh yeah it's bad wow someone is afraid of skynet i just don't trust them and i trust my own math so yeah there's many <laughs> options to do uh that is by far the most sane and i also love that you asked and wizard magazine needs to come back so it was amazing can i ask you very quickly while we have you here uh first of all i want to know where people can find you but second since we didn't get a chance to pick your brain for the pull list in advance i would love to know like what are some a couple like all-time fave comics that you just want to shout out and make are sure our audience is red. Well, I will share privately uh, one of my favorites because it is probably one of the, probably the most controversial comic ever printed. Ooh. Um, it's not Batman's Damned? No. I like the Clone Saga. That's controversial. Oh, no. We're, I'm, we're worse. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll admit, I did not read anything about Captain Marvel as a kid, and I feel really bad, and this is going to sound awful. It was because she was a girl, <laughs> and it was because huh? she was kind of a second... Uh, second figure uh, at the beginning and didn't really come into her own for a long time. She so. rarely had her own series to read anyway. Exactly. Well, and uh, spoiler alert, she is uh, she she is one of the people that that I'm talking about in that controversial comic that uh, I won't say out loud because I don't want that heat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was a huge Spider-Man kid growing up. Um, I didn't get into Deadpool till I was older, and maybe that is a byproduct of my sister shielding me from what she thought I couldn't handle. I don't really know. <laughs> but my sister worked at a comic shop, which was sick because she... Uh, well, you had the hookup. Internal Revenue Service. Plug your ears. Um, she got paid in comics uh, nice. for the most part. So... Um, she didn't get paid money money. Um, she got paid better than money. And so uh, I would just, I would read anything that she would let me get my hands on. So I, in a way, I got leftovers for a really, really long time. But um, I was really into Jane Foster. Um, she was like my strong female character. Mm. So um, those are some of my, my favorite storylines, at least. Um, I, I also, I really like, I was going to ask you, actually, if you were at all disappointed that we didn't get, like, Deadpool Battle World with Venom at all. I think that the things they can do with Deadpool are limitless, and that's why the show getting canceled is the saddest thing, because mm-hmm. I think Donald Glover and that, that world could have gone there, and I think we'll never see it in movies, and I think that the best thing they could do with uh, the Marvel crossover, if they want the last Marvel movie, if they want Deadpool 3 to be the last one, is do the mm-hmm. like Deadpool Killustrated, or Deadpool, oh. something that's out of canon, and just let them play. Or yeah. Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, that'll never happen, but something that's like but that. But it'd be so awesome, actually, something kind of. Battle world-ish, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Something that crazy, so I think Venom has that opportunity, I think Deadpool yeah. does as well, I just think they got to take big big risks you know thank you so much where can people find you on the internet people can find me on the internet um i don't know what that is um i hear that al gore invented it um it'll be in the description i'm at ouch underscore this megahertz it's a pun about electricity and it's super dorky but um i'm also on the movie trivia schmodown inner geekdom division um champion she's being real real (laughs) proper i make cameo appearances on the internet from time to time uh that's about all i really do i sit at home and i spend quality time with my cats and i occasionally get on airplanes and fly places all the above well this has been a very thorough week lots of news hopefully next week is as well but until next week stay sweaty